Main Street to Wall Street. Global business celebrity and former Fortune 100 C-suite executive Jeffrey Hazlett takes you inside the good, the bad, and the ugly of businesses today. Saddle up. It's time for All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. When COVID hit, we all had to change the way we do business. Some shifted their business models, others shifted their operations to help fight COVID directly. I know we've done that with C-Suite Supplies. My guest today is Jeff Fisher, president of Longhorn Vaccines and Diagnostics. He's a veteran. Actually, he's a Marine. And once a Marine, always a Marine. We thank him for his service. And now he's serving the country in a different capacity. He's got a five-person company that's creating millions of tubes and devices for COVID testing, which is absolutely fascinating. We're going to delve into that and tell you the difference between the different kinds of uh, testing that's available. Longhorn's a company that puts an emphasis on innovation, and they've developed products for molecular testing that meets the needs for both the developed and underdeveloped world. So, Jeff, welcome to All Business with Jeffrey Hazel. Thanks for having me. It's good to have you. And you're out in Maryland today, although Longhorn, how many Longhorns are out in Maryland? Uh, not too many, though. Uh, a lot of Texans come up here to work. So we see a lot of uh, a lot of Longhorns in the back of cars. Yeah. So talk to me. I said right at the beginning, how does a small family company of five people rise to meet the needs of a global pandemic? Well, I think what we've had to do is find good partners. And what we've had to do is lean on, on a lot of other small businesses and a lot of uh, uh, really good established businesses that know how to uh, manufacture and scale up. Um, and so we've, we've really done it through great partnerships. Well, tell me a little bit about your background. Now, I, we mentioned Marine. Thank you very much for your service. We appreciate that. Uh, you know, I can't, I can't emphasize enough about what we think about our veterans. But tell me about your background and how you became involved with Longhorn. So after I got out of the Marine Corps, I went to business school at the University of Texas and uh, then uh, started a company with my father, uh, developing drugs for uh, preventing infections in premature babies. Uh, we sold that company in 2005, and we decided to start another company. And what we decided to do was look for products that could impact an influenza pandemic. And mm. so one of the first things we looked at was how could you improve testing uh, in the midst of a pandemic? And so that was really our initial outset. And one of the areas that we identified right away was that sample collection and sample transport was a crucial part of molecular testing. And so uh, we brought together a team uh, out of San Antonio to help us develop some products, including a better sample collection uh, device. So what what gave you the idea? <clears throat> was your father involved in this before? What you know? What, did you have the background in this? What gave you the idea that says, okay, let's go target influenza pandemic, which is kind of a precursor to really understanding what COVID's about? Sure. So my father is a pediatric infectious disease specialist and okay. uh, yeah. ran the military uh, pediatric training program for infectious diseases uh, for about twenty three years. Uh, and so he really saw uh, this coming uh, and introduced it to me. Uh, and we decided that it was something that was probably worthwhile going after. I like smart people who are thinking about big things like that. It, it makes it makes me feel safer. It makes me feel better about this country. That there's people, you know, that, that are always got our back like that. So my hat's off to your dad as well. So but 
All right. So you guys are in this and you're thinking about this, then how, how difficult was it to adapt it to COVID versus say influenza or some other infectious disease or pandemic that we might've been facing? Well, that's where we really were fortunate in that by developing this initially for influenza, influenza is an RNA virus uh, in the same way that coronavirus is an, uh, an RNA virus. And so the way the product worked is it would inactivate the sample. So it would kill all of the pathogens, including the coronavirus or the influenza. And then it would leave the nucleic acid and RNA or DNA uh, and stabilize it at room temperature so that it could then be shipped for testing. And so there was really nothing that had to change about the product. And, and this is the reason that the FDA actually came to us in February and asked us to rapidly scale up uh, because they had already approved this product, or in the case of the way the FDA sees it, they cleared it uh, as a class two device for uh, samples suspected of containing influenza. And so since a respiratory specimen uh, in the midst of, of a colder flu season uh, can be suspected of having influenza, can be suspected of containing uh, cold viruses, and in this case, at this time, suspected of containing uh, the SARS-CoV-2 virus. And so it was already FDA cleared for this process. And so all we had to do was now scale up. And so we worked very closely with the FDA uh, to increase the, the supply so that we could start meeting the demand. Let's, let me take a quick break. I'll come right back after this message. I want to ask you uh, some more in-depth questions about this. We'll be right back. C-Suite Radio. Hey, we are back right here live on LinkedIn and Facebook as we uh, bring you all business with Jeffrey Hazlett right here on C-Suite Radio. I'm visiting with Jeff Fisher, president of Longhorn Vaccines and Diagnostics. We're talking about testing and being ready for a pandemic, what you have to do. So there's no one test, Jeff, is there? Is there one kind of test? Are they all the same? I mean, when I, when I, you know, I keep hearing about the lines of tests here in South Dakota where I'm at right now, or whether you're in New York or California, people getting tested, is there one kind of test or are there just many tests? So right now there are really three different tests. There's the molecular test, which is the one most people are, are familiar with, where they take the, the swab and they put it in your nose, uh, and then they put it into a sample collection device like the one we sell. Uh, and then send it off to the lab. And that's the one that takes several days. It, the test itself only takes about three hours, but the, the overall processing. Um, then there's what they call an antigen test, which is a test that's uh, done at right at the point of care, usually delivers a result within five or 10 minutes. Uh, it's the one most similar people know of like the pregnancy test or a flu test you might receive uh, in the doctor's office. And then the third- how do, they, how, do you, how do you do that test? And the first one's a nasal swab. So what's this test do? This would also be probably a nasal swab. Uh, and then that one would be, would be put right onto uh, the test strip and would give you a quick result. The problem with that is it's just not as accurate as the molecular. Mm. Uh, and then the third is the antibody test. And, and that also requires uh, blood uh, generally, which is a little bit different. So uh, we focus entirely at this stage on the molecular test. And, and that's the one that probably represents right now about 80% of the testing that's being done. So, and sorry, I'm going to act like I'm stupid because sometimes I am and I want to make sure I get this right. But we hear about this. So the antibody test 
is to see if you have the antibodies or have you had it before and you've gone through it. What is the, and then I want to go back to the molecular test. So the antibody test uh, is about whether your body has been exposed to the virus. And it generally will come up um, about a week or more after you've been exposed to the virus. Uh, one of the challenges is that we don't know how long uh, people maintain antibodies with this particular virus. So the, the original hope was that you could use antibody tests to say that you were uh, infected at some point and then were protected. But I think that the challenge and the reason the antibody test has become less important is because we're not necessarily sure what it tells us when we've, uh, if we have antibodies. Well, and then at the same time, the virus keeps morphing, correct? So it might not, if you have those antibodies for the earlier, I guess, versions of the, of, of the virus, it might not be good for you now? Uh, and, and very much like the influenza, that, that even though you get it one year and you have antibodies to it, that the change in the strain may mean that you either have no protection or limited protection. If you think, I'll give a personal example. I believe I had uh, COVID in early February. It hit me, knocked me out for about a week. Couldn't, you know, all the symptoms people talk about. I just went to bed, slept for seven, eight days, and then came out of it. And now would would that antibody test now be able to show me whether or not I really did have it or not? It should. It should. But with what we're seeing uh, with some patients is that their antibody levels uh will decrease over time. And since it was back in February, uh, it's possible that you had it, but the antibodies have, have since um, gone away. So uh, yeah. it's not necessarily uh, certain that the antibody tests would be able to tell you. But if you had it at that level, there should be some level of antibody that's still detectable. Man, I had it. Pre- I think I had it pretty rough. Not as rough as some of the people that have been hospitalized, but man, holy crap! You know the coughing, the uh, everything, the sweats there, the, and it wasn't the flu. I knew it wasn't the flu because I wasn't getting sick like that. But it was. It knocked me out. I mean, like one minute I was standing, and then the next minute I told my team, "I'm going home now." And by the time I got home, I was out. It was. It was bad news, and I don't want to go through that again. So let's talk about. The, 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 the first test that we were telling, the molecular test, right? So what, what's the real value of that test just to see if you have it and then they can t- test you? I mean, or if you're exhibiting the symptoms, wouldn't you think you have it? I think what you want to know, especially as we go into the cold and flu season, is that there are going to be a lot of symptoms that are going to look similar. Mm-hmm. And I think being able to differentiate between uh, a bad strain of influenza uh, whether you have a cold, uh, this is going to determine whether people are able to go to work, whether kids are going to be able to go to school. And so I think that as we move into uh, the fall, uh, it's going to become very important uh, that when people are having a a low-grade fever or have a cough, um, uh, at at that point we're able to determine whether this is flu, whether this is the rise of of further uh, SARS-CoV-2, or whether this is something else. Yeah. So are the, 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 I assume these are not home test kits. These are not something I can do at home. I've got to go into a lab and get done. Uh, so some groups uh, are doing it as a home kit where you can uh, provide the sample at home. You then need to send it to a lab. At this point, there is not a home test that will allow you to take the sample and conduct the test at home. Yeah. And so 
but I only want to do that if I think I have the symptoms. Is that right? Is that what, is that the real prudent advice here for most people who are going through this is to do it that way? I would say for most people, if you're not, if you're not, uh, showing symptoms, or if you don't, haven't had direct contact with somebody who's known to have it, uh, that there's not a need to do testing. Obviously, for the professional sports teams, uh, for some businesses, for first responders. Or key executives that need right. to be there to run their business. I mean, they, listen, you know, folks, again, biz, you know, we talk about, you mentioned, Jeff, sorry about this, but you mentioned first responders. You know, we have business first responders. You know, that need to keep this country going. You need you need gas stations open. You need food going. You need trucking moving. Uh, we need these business. We need the guys working at the power plant, the, gal, the gals working in the water plant, everything. We need all of that going. So it's important for that. So thank you. And we're currently supporting some of the largest uh, logistics companies uh, in the U.S. and in the world uh, with their testing to keep their warehouse workers uh, safe. Uh, we're working with universities. We're working with uh, meatpacking plants and, and other groups like that. The groups you're talking about that are on that front line and, and need they're to central. keep the economy moving. Yeah, they're essential. I mean, every you know, just I look. I'm all for supporting everything with healthcare. Everybody here, listen to me. You know, don't think I'm not. But I also want those other things going because we got to get this country back moving the way it's supposed to be doing. So. Um, I mean, business is, I mean, I, I hate to say it like this, but business has got to be booming for you right now. It, it is. Um, you know, we're, we're very fortunate that this started 15 years ago. And so the technology was in place. And so we have deep, deep scientific background on the product. Uh, and so right now we are finally uh, getting it out into uh, the marketplace. And, and so what we've really seen is, is rapid growth. Um, and we see based on uh, the, the orders and the demand that this is something that's probably going to go for at least the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah, it's not going to stop. But speaking of not stopping, I got to take a quick break. I'll be right back after this message. C-Suite Radio. Hey everybody, thanks so much for listening in and watching right here on the live cast on LinkedIn and Facebook as you're listening and watching All Business with Jeffrey is, of course, on the world's largest business podcast network, C-Suite Radio. So thank you so much. We're growing like a hockey stick. You know, it's amazing to have the, we set a new record every single month with listeners and downloads. So thank you very much for making that happen. Hey, I've got with me right now, Jeff Fisher, the president of Longhorn Vaccines and Diagnostics. We're talking about all things testings for COVID. So, and we're talking about ramping up. Were, were you ready for the ramp up, Jeff? What are you having to do? How's it affecting your business? I assume you're bringing in lots of partners to help you get everything manufactured. Uh, absolutely. We, uh, first we start with the team that I've had together now for about uh, 10 years. So the, the core group inside my company are, were all people that I knew I could trust and they all stepped up and, and worked, you know, seven days a week, 12, uh, 16 hour days uh, in the early days. And then we brought on some great partners and uh, we now went from having two manufacturing sites to 15. Uh, we are uh, working with some of the biggest companies in the world to uh, distribute the product and uh, as well as groups that are taking it, putting it with swabs and getting it out into uh, the hands of the people that are doing the testing. So what's your, uh, and when you start to scale like that, what's going through your mind? What's your biggest problem that you have? Our biggest challenge we faced was finding the right tubes. So our yeah. 
our real component is the liquid, and it's a proprietary liquid that we developed, that we patented. Uh, but it's it's not the easiest uh, to keep inside the tube. It's it's special characteristics make it uh, want to try and leak. And so finding the right tubes with the right caps uh, in the volume that we needed to get this done uh, was our biggest challenge. And at one point, uh, Health and Human Services stepped in and helped us uh, put together a partnership with the largest Coca-Cola bottling uh, group in the United States uh, to, to bring a tube that they already manufactured, which just happened to be the preform of a 20 ounce uh, Coke bottle, uh, which they made in the billions. And so they could easily and quickly provide it. Um, just as we know that uh, Coca-Cola cannot afford for the carbonation to come out of a bottle, uh, we couldn't afford for our liquid to come out. So that seal that their cap provided was ideal for what we were doing. And it allowed us to scale from about uh, 50,000 tubes a week up to uh, a, a peak of about 2 million tubes a week. A big change. It's interesting to find how innovation in one industry relates to something else where you can step and repeat the process. Did you guys, I mean, when you first heard that, did somebody go, this is nuts, but it works. It, it was amazing. It was, it was one of those ideas. And I give a lot of credit. We have a lot of very smart people that work in our uh, national uh, government labs. And the idea actually came out of, of one of those. The Oak Ridge lab team said, hey, mm-hmm. wait a minute these Coca-Cola preforms would be ideal and then pulled the whole partnership together. So it, it really was uh, a really nice uh, public-private uh, partnership that brought all of this together. Well, you mentioned working with that government agency. Are you working with others now in order to get this out and scale it? We are. We've, uh, we sold over 7 million tubes to FEMA. Uh, we've been working closely with HHS and, and FDA. Uh, we have some contracts pending um, with groups working with the DOD, with the Veterans Affairs, uh, and really we've been working with a lot of state governments as well. Uh, Really anybody who's needing to do testing, uh, we're working with them in different ways. What's the the one thing that's getting in the way of us doing more testing? Because everybody keeps saying testing, testing, testing. Are we at a level where we're okay or we need more? Um, I think it's, again, still supplies. I think getting enough enough tests up and running, enough labs up and running. Uh, What we're finding is that there are a lot of labs converting from different types of testing they were doing before, a lot of genetics labs that were not doing infectious disease testing uh, or even clinical patient testing now are converting their facilities to do this type of testing. Uh, Additionally, they're doing pooling where they're uh, putting samples together uh, to test them to, uh, to optimize uh, the amount of tests that they can accomplish in a given day. Yeah, it seems to be the labs have been a problem because there's where I've seen it, there's long, huge lines waiting to get testing and it's taking hours and hours and hours. And there's only a few places to do that. At least that's my experience. I'm hoping it's getting better. What do you think are the next steps, uh, steps in, in, in COVID detection, Jeff? Well, I think that there's a lot of point of care tests that are being added. I know that we're working with one of the largest diagnostic companies in the world uh, to add our product to their point of care test so they can differentiate between influenza and the SARS-CoV-2 virus uh, 
at the point of detection in doctor's offices. And so I think that what we'll see in the fall is a lot more tests meant to distinguish between cold, flu, and COVID-19. So with the fact that you're doing all the testing, is it going to help us link to some kind of solution for a vaccine? Uh, we have one particular client that we're working with that we believe is part of looking at the vaccine development. Uh, I think that testing is going to be especially uh, important in the vaccine process because the likelihood is these vaccines, even if they're very successful, will probably be between 60 and 80 percent effective. So even people who have been vaccinated, when they start to show signs of some sort of illness, it's going to be important to know whether that is, again, the flu, whether that's just a standard cold, or whether that is a failure of the vaccine for that patient. Seem to be a guy in the know. How, how soon do you think it's going to be for an effective vaccine? Well, you know, we, we developed vaccines on this side of our company as well, and we decided not to get into this business because we felt that the speed was just not something that we were comfortable with. Um, I think that both efficacy and safety is something that generally takes really 100 to 200,000 uh, patients at least. So I would expect that a vaccine that, we, that most Americans would be able to access would be probably sometime in 2021, uh, maybe late in uh, February, March time frame at, at earliest. It seems to be the 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 betting consensus. You know, if you're going to be a bet, you're going to put place bets. That's a good consensus. Although a lot of people think, oh, with this American ingenuity, with all we know there, it's around the corner. But even within it's around the corner, it takes. You know, this is not something you just want to throw out there. You want some good testing done on this, right, Jeff? Uh, you absolutely, because if you, most people who, who get uh, COVID-19, like you maybe did, um, yeah. ha have a bad day of it for eight or nine days, uh, but you come out of it and, and you move forward. If 1% yeah. if or a half percent of the population that gets the vaccine has a long-term uh, irreversible side effect, uh, you know, that itself is also a problem. So I think that making sure that it's truly safe uh, is as important as making sure it's truly efficacious. Well, Jeff, I, I got to tell you, I appreciate it. Now you protect our country as a Marine. Now you're doing it in the business with the Longhorn vaccine. So thank you very much for being a part of All Business with Jeffrey Hazel today. Well, thank you very much for having me. At the end of every show, I like to talk about what I learned. You know, what I learned is, Go talk to somebody who knows what the heck they're talking about when you need to know something of real information. Did you hear how he described the three different kinds of testing and really put it in perspective of what's good, what's not? And, you know, very emotionalist and in terms of no emotion, he's just putting his fact. I mean, that's what I like about a good Marine. This guy is like fact. He's a captain, former captain of Marines, and he's just telling you like it is. And I like that. It makes me feel safe. Makes me feel good. It makes me feel good to know that great companies like that are doing good things for the rest of us. That's what I learned right here on All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett. Don't forget, tell your friends, listen in, and I'll see you on the next show. You're listening to All Business with Jeffrey Hazlett, brought to you by C-Suite Radio, a podcast network featuring today's top business experts and is part of the C-Suite Network, the world's most trusted network of C-Suite executives. Find this and other business podcasts on c-suiteradio.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.